Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossat, managing editor, fightfulwrestling.com. Go over there, get all of your wrestling news. But right now we have the NXT. Takeover Phoenix post show reminder we are here right after the Royal Rumble five minutes after that show and towards the end of this broadcast I'll actually be leaving as I uh, start the Triple H media call that will stream live on my Twitter account it will be up on our YouTube a little bit later we're going to talk to Triple H about his thoughts on tonight's show but now you're going to hear our thoughts I am joined by one Warren Hayes who reviews NXT every single week on our Fightful Select premium service i posted a or he posted rather a free preview edition 205 live nxt nxt uk this week you all should check it out warren how you doing i'm doing great uh we had we were treated tonight you know it's kind of like when you go uh, you go out for a nice meal you have like a three course meal and then you know you start mm-hmm. with an extremely tasty appetizer and then the second course is all right then you finish up with a great dessert you know, it's sort of sort of an uneven meal for me tonight. But still, it was fun. And sometimes, by the time dessert comes, you're already full. Alex Pawlowski, <laughs> you're joining me tonight. You will be joining me tomorrow night. Yeah. Jeff Hawkins, obviously, on the Brock Lesnar schedule. He is actually at the event. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but let's go ahead and get into this show. This show kicked off. Well, I want to say kicked off, but it started with Velveteen Dream appearing at the arena, flocked by ladies, which <laughs> I saw rappers are actors on Twitter say, accompanied by some Brazzers young lions. <laughs> and I thought, ah, oh. it's inappropriate, but it fit. It fit. Um, he was not on this show. Alex, are you expecting to see him tomorrow night? Uh, I don't know. Uh, he's in this uh, tournament thing they're running on um, at the Access thing. So if he goes and he has to win, what, three more matches tomorrow, two more, two, two more matches, I'm not sure, um, two more matches tomorrow, then goes to the Rumble, maybe, I don't know. Um, there are a couple of guys on the show tonight that I'm expecting to see in the Rumble tomorrow. Well, let's go ahead, talk about this awesome opening match. War Raiders 
with their custom intro, really thematic. And I don't know if you guys noticed, it was all over Twitter, Warren. Sarah Logan <laughs> dressed up as one of the Warriors. Oh, oh, really? That I didn't notice. But I, you know, I, I could imagine the conversation that Rowan Hansen were having just, you know, a couple of days before. And Rose like, man, I still got all this stuff left over from my wedding in my den. And Hansen's like, wait, I got an idea. You got to make use of that stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, several of my decorations are being put to use through, throughout the house. So, hey, I, I'm with you. And I didn't use nearly the, the like anything resembling the type of stuff that they had. So we, we start this match, but War Raiders become the uh, new NXT Tag Team Champions by defeating Undisputed Era. I got to give War Raiders a lot of credit, Alex. It is not easy to get the crowd on your side against Undisputed Era at a takeover, and they did it. Yeah, the Undisputed Era are uh, otherworldly as as just cheese dick heels. Like, they're so, so good at being that. You can't root against them because they're so good at wrestling. Um, like he's like, wow, man, I, 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 they don't cheat necessarily. Like they're just in the right place at the right time, supernaturally. Like it's yeah. just really cool how they do that. And the and the thing about uh, Roe and Hanson is that uh, Hanson is way too quick and agile for a guy his size, and Roe throws dudes around like he's bigger than Hanson. Like that's why it's weird to watch them. They're they're completely unique. Um. I I I I really love this match. I, I didn't think they were going to give it to War Machine, but somebody made a made a comment like, "If you don't give it to War Machine now, like, what do you do with them? Like, they've already had chances after chances working with the Undisputed Era. Now the Undisputed Era can chase. You can. I don't want this, but you could you could call them up. There's all kinds of stuff you can do. But I like War Machine uh, being being the tag title holders going into Mania. It seems like every time you turn, it's the War Raiders and some other guys teaming up with them to take on Undisputed Era. So for them to get this win was very important. As much as I think Undisputed Era should be booked as a really dominant faction, it's okay if they're not because of the reasons that you mentioned. During this match, uh, Rose slams Hanson onto both members of Undisputed Era off the apron. You had Undisputed Era really just chopping Hanson down. Uh, Roe looked like he almost broke the top rope when they, they hung him across it. That was insane. Roe then gut-wrenched through strong into O'Reilly. And it's just so impressive. I mentioned on Twitter, Warren, strong hitting backbreakers on even a guy Roe's size, like out of a full Nelson. That's uh, wild, uh, man. Yeah, and uh, I think it's uh, – you know, Roderick Strong, ever since he did come into uh, into the Undisputed Era – uh, he, he's I think he, we're missing the story of his explosion because uh, we we see it time after time and we see you know, it was showcased tonight how strong he is. But then he basically replaced Bobby Fish in Red Dragon, right? In the NXT version of Red Dragon. Not an easy feat to do. He meshed so well with Kyle O'Reilly through, throughout the their entire their entire run. It's it's amazing how much he's contributed and given to the undisputed era as a faction whereas he really was he was the fourth guy tossed him to the tag team as the third guy and yet man he's been spectacular the whole way through Hanson goes through his spot where he does the cartwheel gets the crowd behind him like I said no easy feat Kyle O'Reilly, one of my favorite workers in the world, really smooth with that leg sweep. Each guy takes a turn, taking the other one out. 
you get this beautiful pop-up assisted power slam, which looks incredible. And uh, it almost finishes O'Reilly. Strong breaks up the pin after Rose gut wrench attack and Hanson's flying splash. And then we get the amazing visual of Roderick Strong power sl- or superplexing Hanson as then Kyle flies off the top with the King Kong knee drop, which out of everything might have been my favorite spot. And, and that's saying something because there was a lot of great ones. Hanson kicks out of the high low. And then I thought it was the perfect way to go to the end. Hanson does a goddamn handspring back elbow. Yep. Not to not esque We're not going to compare it to Tajiri. But it was still impressive. This sets up Roe doing uh, a handicap power slam where you're power bombing and power slamming a guy at the same time. They get fallout for the win. Warren, I put on Twitter, I get the feeling these kind of matches are why the Revival are so frustrated and voicing that on the main roster. Yeah, and I completely agree. I saw that tweet and... Uh... There, I mean, there's no if, if NXT has been anything over past over 2018, it was the place to watch quality, quality tag team wrestling. Uh, it's hard to not have considered last year the Undisputed Era as the best team of 2018. I'm a little surprised, to be honest, that uh, War Raiders pulled off a win here. Uh, War Raiders came uh, entered with much fanfare. They haven't done. They haven't done much for a, a a bevy of reasons up until this point. Thought that you know it was um, it, it's it, they still deserve to get a title shot because that's who they are. I'm familiar with their with their previous work. I know what kind of great tag team they were, but they never had a chance to shine before tonight. They shone, but I really thought that they were going to chase undisputed era a little longer, bring us into the dusty classic, and then have the ultimate payoff there. That's what I thought. Alex, you want to put a bow on this one? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, um, I, I, I thought this match was great. All the tag team openers have been great. When they, when they talk about, hey, we might start sending guys back down to NXT and up and forth and bringing them back around, here's what you should do with the Revival. Send the Revival down to NXT. Just between now and WrestleMania and have them run against the War Raiders at Mania and just blow the roof off everything. Like, like it, to actually say, well, here we, we can't run amazing tag matches on the main roster because we don't want to, but we love doing an NXT, so you guys could go down there, back, back where you everyone loves you, and do that. Up next, we had Fightful alumni Matt Riddle continuing his winning streak, defeating Cassius Ono. Riddle does a nice gut-wrench suplex on the much bigger Ono, but gets stomped oh. out, and his selling is... So far beyond what a lot of people would expect. I mean, when you see Matt Riddle selling, that's when you can really believe. When he he would always say on our show, I only got into MMA because I couldn't, I wasn't big enough to be a pro wrestler and I wanted to be a pro wrestler. And and you buy it here. But uh, Alex, I don't know how much selling he needed to do when Ono stomped him in the goddamn mouth. (laughs) These two tasted each other's feet. Just oh. repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, this, this, this was great. These two guys work really, really well together uh, because, like, Riddle's just like a kind of guy who's like, no, no, hit me, like, make me feel it, so I can act, so I can use as in the acting business. If, if you know, you, you, we tell you to use that. Whatever you're feeling, if you're emotional, if your, if your shoulders a little tweaked today. Use that and let it inform your your process. Um, 
uh, uh, Riddle was using uh, being kicked in the mouth hard a lot. It made all of his selling seem way more realistic because we were watching him getting the piss beat out of him. We don't see feet get worked over a lot, Warren, but we saw that here, and it made sense. It was smart. Ono stomped Riddle's bare feet. Riddle was already cracked open. Then after Riddle does a German suplex out of a deadlift, Ono bites his toes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, why wouldn't you? You know, I mean, I can think of several reasons. In fact, <laughs> our last interview with Matt Riddle, he explained that he doesn't shake people's hand because he quote and he quote, "You don't know where my hand has been. Maybe I like to keep a messy hand." End quote. Well, well, what does yeah, that yeah. say about his feet? In which he doesn't he doesn't wear shoes with a suit. Well, there you oh. go. And, and this is this. I think this is key here because if if he's uh, if he's courageous enough to go barefoot or where flippy floppies around one can only assume that his feet are properly manicured well groomed i think you know holding you know hands is another thing you touch people you know you say he's shaking hands you go to conventions ew at some point you know you need the purell but your feet your feet are your feet are can be temples man that you just take care of no nah, no nah. i you know may would i put matt real's feet in my mouth well well, we'd have to discuss about the terms first. <laughs> There's a lot of, if that were, I tell you what, if that were a Patreon goal, we would have a lot more subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> Our female subscriber base would be way higher. Uh, I, I will limit it to females. Matt gets a lot of attention in that regard. Ono does a moonsault, and I thought Nigel was really great saying, well, the reason he only got two is because most of his weight landed outside. Yeah, uh, Most of his weight did not land outside on the senton bombs. But Riddle, <laughs> Riddle does catch him in a rear naked choke. Cassius tries to fist bump Riddle, and I love the finish. A big knee going into a vicious sleeper suplex. Wow, man. Yeah. And then Riddle elbows Ono into submission. I had a lot of people say, wow, you can submit when it's not a, a hold? Yeah, you can, you can submit to literally anything. There was I've seen a guy in MMA fail to get a guillotine on somebody, and when he realized the guy got out, tapped out <laughs> and said no thanks i'm done that, that that was that was my plan a b and c i'm yes. done <laughs> got nothing else but this is a nice way you establish it here for those who don't know that you can end a fight this way yeah. and for riddle boy that's perfect that's another way he can end a match i thought this was brilliant alex oh it was it was great great storytelling i i i, I love this a lot of it is just uh, Riddle is so good at selling when he's when he's fighting from underneath, uh, and so good at just like firing up when he comes back. Uh, that you're talking about the sleeper suplex looked nasty. That was that was by far not the nastiest bump of the night. There were some other ones that I was like, oh crap. Um, and uh, but in 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 that moment when he was elbowing him and he tapped out, I was like, well, well, that's amazing because it's it's perfect to tell the story of this this guy who just won't. Won't, won't stop putting his point of his elbow in your temple. Yeah, I'd be like, okay, I'm 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 out. I don't need to do this anymore. Um, that was great. Uh, I love that he's got so many ways. He's been finishing dudes with running knee strikes uh, on the on the Florida loop. So they're they're working on all kinds of ways for him to take you out. I think it'd be great. You can totally build this guy who's this totally you know laid back bro. Until he gets in the ring and he becomes an absolute goddamn assassin. 
Like there's a, a really cool stuff you could do with, with, with Matt Riddle, not just here in NXT, but going through his career. Where does Matt go from here, Warren? Um, well, I think he goes to have a pedicure to begin with. Uh, but uh, listen, at this point, it's, uh, sky's, sky's the limit, isn't it? Like, what's his next feud? Do you do you pop this guy up immediately against a uh, freshly, uh, c- clearly minted heel Johnny Gargano and put him right in there with the uh, for, for the North American strap? Do you have him do some stuff with Keith Lee? I mean, there are so many things that he can do. And man, to me, that finish, I love the finish of this match. Uh, because for all the reasons Alex said, and on top of that, well, it, it, it harkens back to his MMA training, which is still very important and still has to, I feel, properly get tra- get over and get well transmitted by commentary. So, man, I, what is next? I'm I'm prepa- I'm just going to let myself be surprised. I can't wait to see what they do with him next. Speaking of MMA, right now we have live Bellator 214 coverage and discussion on Fightful.com. Be sure to join that. Jack Swagger, in a matter of minutes, will make his MMA debut. We have several interviews up with him on uh, Fightful MMA and uh, Boxing YouTube. We also have an interview with upcoming Bellator title challenger John Fitch, who explains to us that when he found out wrestling wasn't real, he, quote, cut the dicks off of all of his wrestling toys, end quote. Can't wait to write an article about that. But we've got the best in coverage for you here at Fightful, my friends. (laughs) Up next, we had what I considered match of the night, personally. Johnny Gargano defeated Ricochet to become the NXT North American champion. Early on, it's not a very controversial opinion, Sean, to call this match of the night. Action quickly spills outside where Ricochet does a second rope uh, quebrada moonsault, the, the tiger wall flip. Gargano drops Ricochet face first across the turnbuckle powerbomb style. We had Gargano. I love that hangman style neck breaker across his knee. It works so well. It's nice, different offense. You want to talk about uh, great transitions to and from moves. This is it. This match is for you. I love a good roll through into a deadlift suplex, and Ricochet does that so well. So often people get lost in Ricochet being able to do the athletic high-flying stuff, Alex. You forget how freakishly strong this guy is. Well, he comes out wearing, you know, uh, something from the Spider-Man line at JCPenney, I think. Uh, he's he's uh, he's a superhero. Like, that's the thing is he's an actual, honest to goodness, real life in the flesh superhero. And uh, he's amazing. Uh, yeah, you're right. He's incredibly strong, obviously incredibly athletic. What I loved the most about this match is I, I was watching it in the first, you know, three or four minutes when it was just like transition into transition into transition, like like head scissor into into flip and all that stuff, I was like, "You boys have been reading my fan fiction because <laughs> this is exactly how I would have booked the beginning of a Gargano versus Ricochet match. It was perfect because they, I love that they kept mentioning like because because so often even in NXT they try and convince you these guys came out of literally nowhere." They've never seen each other before. This is their first match, but they, but Ratmanal was like, these guys have been wrestling for 10 years all over the planet. They know each other so well. And using that as part of this storyline, in-ring storyline, and I also love that the build-up to the storyline was Ricochet saying, no, no, see, I know Johnny Gargano. This guy isn't Johnny Gargano, but the guy Gargano I know is still in there, and I'm going to beat it out of him. 
that is a really cool storyline to go into the match and then utilizing all of their their knowledge of each other within the match it was just beautiful and even, the year yeah and he even mentioned it right or, or at least uh, there was a reference to it in the match you know when at some point early on he extended his hand to gargano and it's like yep. come on like can we do this yeah, yeah proper and johnny just slugged him instead <laughs> Well, Gargano goes for the slingshot DDT and gets caught in midair. His facial expressions in this match are great. Yep. And uh, I, I don't know what expressions his ribs had after this, but it oh. was probably like uh, not not favorable. That was I a nasty bump. Yeah, I don't know how that was supposed to land, but it wasn't that way. No, it, <laughs> it, was, it was filthy. Then we see the the infamous ricochet Frankensteiner spot where he jumps off the top rope, lands on his feet. A lot of people said, "Oh, they took the Kota Ibushi Osprey spot." No, that that is the Ricochet spot. <laughs> yeah, he's been doing that for for a long time. Yeah. Gargano's face again tells a great story. I love that the Gargano escape got escaped yeah. with a suplex into a turnbuckle. One of my favorite reversals mm. of, of the year thus far. Yeah, we see. <laughs> Ricochet do the Aguila spot where he tope con Hilo's over the ring post and takes out his opponent, follows up with a springboard 450 for two, but eats a shooting star press or eats knees on a shooting star press. Outside the ring, Gargano is on Ricochet's shoulders, spins around, reverse spiked Hurricane Rana, Whoa. and can't put Ricochet away with a slingshot DDT. So what does he does? What does he do? Suplexes Ricochet on the exposed concrete floor, then hits another one. Gargano wins. Warren, it seems like it was a long time coming for Gargano. We would see him at the end of the night with Tommaso Ciampa. I don't know if I'll be around to talk about that moment, but lots of development for Johnny Gargano in a way that I don't think a lot of people saw this this going. Uh, no, uh, especially at this time of year, one year ago this year, uh, last year, when you think about it, how the hell did we get to this point? I mean, if, if you can trace it, but if you're just, if, if you watched last year, one takeover last January and you come back here, you're like, what happened in the meantime? This was the match where, uh, I, I've said it a couple of times this week. I didn't, I didn't care about the outcome. I was just looking forward to these guys going completely crazy on each other but when you do think about proper like storyline progression making sense as things go on they've been hinting at it so much and Johnny Gargano's 2018 was all about finding his identity finding who he was uh through Tommaso Ciampa he goes off a bit on his darker path which leads him inevitably back to Ciampa but once again with gold you know, it's literally, let's do it ourselves. We're back to, we scraped and clawed at each other throughout the entire year. And look where it brought us. I'm, one of them is NXT champion. The other's North American champion. Yeah, it, yeah, of course they didn't plan, plan it out all that long. You know, it's not like a, a this epic storyline, but man, it's just, everything is just meshing making perfect sense throughout the the entire way. And what a fantastic match. We were treated. This was an absolute treat. Alex, your your thoughts on this one and how it ended up? Yeah, I uh like I said I loved it. Uh it's, you know, I, I I can't imagine there being a match that will top it for me this year, especially when you think of uh the sto- the, the overarching storyline for Johnny Gargano's character over the past several years now. Um I, I let's we forget 
He was going to do the draping DDT from the apron to the concrete, decided better of it. Yeah. Said, 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 no, I'm not going to do that now. And then, and then he went back and then he did it. Like that's a major point there too, that he, he realized he had to, he had to turn to the dark side to get the gold. Like that's, like that's that's epic old time like Greek tragedy storytelling, um, but beyond this, I feel like uh, would not be surprised at all. And honestly, kind of rooting for it at this point to see Ricochet show up in the Rumble tomorrow and and then stay on the main roster. They've already a lot of it was like Ricochet's never going to go up. What's he going to do? Be on two hundred five live? But they've proven with Mustafa Ali that the two hundred five live is not like an like if you're under two hundred five pounds, you have to be on this show. They're not doing that anymore. So Ricochet yeah. can immediately go up and stay there. And um, I mean, even if he does, it's not like he has to be there forever. They can right. use him to get eyeballs on that brand. Right. They could do whatever they when they were that with him. But I, I also just love the idea of this this new thing of Gargano and, and Ciampa back together, but on the wrong side of it. Like it's there's so much you can do with it. Again, we were talking about this, like you said, this Warren, a year ago. Him versus Almas when he was the absolute truest babyface in the world to, to, to now. It's just brilliant storytelling. Up next, we had Shayna Baszler defeating Bianca Belair to retain the NXT Women's Championship. Belair goes acrobatic before scoring a shoulder block. Baszler pulls Belair by her hair into the ring post, which causes Belair to favor her arm. This is the story of the match. That elbow stomp, and this one looked like maybe the grossest yeah, I've ever seen. Really yeah, one of the most devastating moves in wrestling. Uh, you all know I'm a sucker for any Billy Robinson references. He really needs to be a legacy inductee in the Hall of Fame. There were times where I thought that Bel Air seemed about a half step behind, like the ref bump was very clearly mistimed. Uh, although there were spots like stomping out of the armbar, boy, that was good stuff. That was really good. Baszler connected with a step-up knee. Uh, you knew the spot was coming, the hair whip. But much like that elbow stomp, Warren, this was the greatest hair whip that Bianca Belair has ever done. Shayna Baszler got color off of it. Yep. Uh, yep. It left a nice little uh, nice little mark. Um, up until this point, you know, it, the, as far as the match went, that's the, that was the main issue I found was... Uh, was um, I wouldn't want to use exposed because I think Bianca has a lot had showed a lot of upside and you know was able to um, was able to camouflage maybe a few things, but you know you could tell that there were moments that uh, maybe she was a, a little bit out of her depth. Um, and uh, whereas whereas Shayna was doing her best and may, uh, trying to keep it all together, but uh, it was a bit of an uh, of an iffy start. Uh, even though, uh, even though, I mean, both of them look, uh, look together in the ring, tall ladies who work a certain form of similar style in, in the sense that they don't, they're, they're not high flyers. They're not super explosive, dynamic, uh, wrestlers there, you know, Shane is a grappler. She ground style, uh, Bianca is, uh, is strength-based so it was interesting to see how how this uh, how this played out, but uh, you know, I, 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 as we eked on to the final third, it 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 picked up a bit. That it did. Uh, there's some mistiming on that ref spot. Marina Shafir comes in and gets speared after the KOD. Jessman Duke gets chicken wing slammed. Looked like there was some also some awkwardness there because of where 
Duke was placed. Otherwise, knees were going to go into Shafir's body. Baszler takes advantage, applies the clutch. Belair gets to her feet, turns it into a suplex, but Belair has to kick Duke off the apron again, misses a 450, gets put in the clutch again for several minutes. The ref calls the end of the match. This one just wasn't quite it for me. Uh, I will be bidding you guys adieu at this point, but uh, I'll share my thoughts on the Ciampa-Alistair Black match on Fightful Select after this. But um, I'll say this. I thought this show peaked well before the co-main and main event. I'll leave you two guys to discuss these two matches. And I'd have a tendency to agree. Uh, I don't know what you thought about the uh, about the conclusion uh, of this match, um, uh, Alex. But I kind of thought I kind of thought it was a little bit overbooked, you know, with the run-ins and the they didn't feel entirely necessary. But uh, let me hear your thoughts. Yeah, there's a lot of ways you can do what you're doing here. I mean, I understand that they're protecting Bianca by having her like stay in the clutch forever before. Passing out, she never tapped out. She got up several times with with Shane on her back, which you know, which the, the announcers sold as being like superhuman. Uh, they, but like you have the run in of the two uh, cohorts plus a ref bump that that's not they're not they're not they don't coincide. Like the ref bump was separate from the run in. Yeah, like it was it was a very different thing. It seemed it did seem very overbooked. The, my my main problem with this was that it it, it seemed like on the pre show you had Sam Roberts do an obviously staged monologue about how Bianca Belair doesn't belong here. Like she's not she's not good enough to be on a takeover. What's she doing here? Forgetting that she won a quadruple threat match, a four corners match to get the number one contendership. It wasn't like Regal handpicked her to be on this thing, which. I guess you could have an argument if you really think Bianca's, but she's undefeated and she's beaten everybody handily. This was the worst match I've seen her have on, on the roster. Most of that I felt was because of the bad booking. Like you have this woman who's superhuman strong. Let's have her run into the ring post once. And now she can't do all of her stuff. Like it's, it's a weird way to book around Bianca as your challenger. And I felt like, well, you just have the, she, you have Bianca about to win it. And then uh, the, the two, you know, horsewomen run in, attacker, DQ, keeps her win streak alive, and then you can build over the next several months to get to a rematch at the Mania Takeover where you finally put it on Bianca. Like, that seems to be the obvious way of going. I don't know where you're going after this, but I did feel like this was kind of handled poorly uh, by the bookers and the agenting, and, and then it didn't do anybody any favors with the actual execution of it. But again, like if you say... Here's what we're going to do. You're going to go to A, to B, to C. Here are the three very major parts of those beats. Now you can go ahead and do it. I have no doubt that Bianca could have done that perfectly. But what they wanted to do was going A to B to C to D to E to F to G, back to C, now go to Z, now to X. And, and like, it just didn't, it felt like she wasn't, she was way out of her depth because they were asking her to do all of that. And because it was just, Shayna being the aggressor for the entire time, you're relying on Bianca, who hasn't had to sell much on TV. Let's not forget. Like, she's always been almost entirely in control of every match. Her matches with Nikki Cross have been kind of even, but she's never fought from underneath. And that's the problem with this. Bianca hasn't been a true babyface ever on television. 
and they had to make her one. And in WWE and NXT or on the main roster, baby faces always have to fight as underdogs. And I don't know if I buy the woman who deadlifts people into gorilla press slams as the underdog. And they did a good job of like figuring out how to like use the hair to like hurt the shoulder. But still, yeah. it just felt like it was the wrong match to ask Bianca to wrestle. And and as far as protecting her goes, you know, you you really didn't need the if your conclusion, if you're ending the way you're going to wrap this up is her being trapped in the Kirifuda clutch, then suplexing out of it, right? Then which being was amazing. Locked, then which which was amazing. Then log uh, lo- getting locked back into it. The, Look who's back. And he's sideways. <laughs> are, I, are you all able to hear me, though? That's what's important. We can hear you, yeah. I mean, I could go vertical, I guess, but uh, who, who would do such a thing? <laughs> for, for, those, for those who don't know, I have to use my traditional setup to uh, listen to the NXT call. Ah. Which actually just started. Goodbye. <laughs> That's a, it's on par with its Christmas run-ins. He's good. Um, yeah. So, so as far as protecting, if if your finish is going to be, you know, uh, powering out of a Kirifuda clutch, then trying on two separate occasions to power out of it again and coming this close, right. then ultimately passing out. Why do you even need the run-in from the from right. uh, right. You know, it's that's what I meant when it was overbooked. If your objective is just simply to keep her strong, she looked stronger there than yeah. she did. Sort of kicking. Uh, I think it was Shafir who attacked first. Yeah. Kicking Shafir and then spearing Duke, and this the the spear was kind of awkward too. I mean. It, that's why that's why my conclusion about this is overbooked because she right. she was already set to look strong. A lot of this is 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 like Triple H says this. Two and a half years from her first walking through the door of the performance center, from then to now is her first takeover women's title match. Like that's pretty great because she's totally homegrown. It's not like she was wrestling elsewhere. She learned everything in Orlando at the PC. So that is amazing. But at the same time, like it felt like somebody was like, oh, oh, um, well, my left shoulder is supposed to be hurt, right? So maybe I mm-hmm. shouldn't hit the spear with my left shoulder as hard as I normally do because I, I wouldn't be able to, which just made it look wonky. Like, it was a weird thing. Like, we we all accept it, this. We, we've seen Shinsuke Nakamura get his knee worked over for 17 minutes and then hit Bobby Roode with seven knee strikes to the back of the head and win a match. We accept that there's stupid stuff with limb work. So maybe I felt like maybe it was Bianca Belair like overthinking it. Like, because mm-hmm. I've seen her hit those spears. They look pretty fierce. But again, that's not when she's been fighting from underneath for 10 minutes. No, exactly. Exactly. Um, and I got to tell you, before we move on to the next match, one thing that bums me out, one thing that I was really excited, I should, let's, let's start with the excited and then transition into why I'm bummed out. The, when, when finally Shafir and Duke were added to the roster and and became um and became Shayna's entourage. I had said it. I had called it. I think we even talked about it here uh at the Evolution post show. Mm-hmm. I I was like okay, now the women are going to have their own undisputed era mm-hmm. because these three women are 
complete badasses. But it turns out, Alex, they're more like the B team than yeah. anything else. Yeah, that's the problem. Is that um, I mean, Duke and Shafir are way behind. Just be, just just because because they started so late, they're way behind the curve of Shayna. They're oh, not sure. they're not her equal. Like I feel like if you decided. Uh, if Roderick Strong were to turn on on uh, the Undisputed Era and have a one-on-one match with Adam Cole, who's the leader of the thing, I feel like they'd, they'd be even and Strong might actually win six out of ten matches. In no way do I think Jessamine Duke or Maria Shafir has any shot at beating Sana Baszler. Like, I love the look of Jessamine Duke. Like, she's so tall. And the tattoos, I mean, and Shafir's also very interesting looking, but I don't buy that they're... They're henchmen. They're like, they're the they're the what are, the, what are they called? The the putties. They're the things that the Power Rangers fought in order in order to get to the the big boss. They're like not real. I, mean, I, I do I think they have potential? Absolutely. But right now they're not. I only see them run run into the matches and get kicked in the face. That's all I ever see them do. Like I know they had a tag match uh, uh, on the earlier thing, which is going to be on this Wednesday's NXT. Uh, so we'll see how they go, but. I feel like they're on TV way earlier than they would be were it not for the fact that they're attached to Saina Baszler, who is also attached to Ronda Rousey. So they're way, they, they need these women, Jessamine and Marina, to really pick it up fast so they can get the four horsewomen versus four horsewomen match because they've been building that for like two years. So it's it's a thing where that I feel like they're kind of being rushed along where they don't – and that's not helping them out right now. No, it's especially when, when – all you think about is them being putties. Yeah. If they, next thing you know, they'll come to the ring going, <laughs> maybe that'll get them over too. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa retained the NXT championship against Aleister Black. They go straight at it with a collarbone tie-up. And they tumble to the floor and they're still hanging on to each other. Some grappling ensues and uh, Black finally gets the upper hand with a side headlock takedown. There's a lot of Posturing to start to start off, Black hits a nice Topican Hilo on Chapa, who is on the outside. Um, hits a springboard moonsault as well, as well covers Chapa, but you know it's early. He kicks out. <laughs> they brawl on the outside. Tommaso, starts, however, starts to work on Black's leg. He suplexes him into the steps, and this, this, my boy Alex, is the story of the match right here. Yep. The uh, twi- he starts twisting the lead, the knee back into the ring. Of course, it's a way to the, to nerf the black mass. Um, and we have we get to see very methodical Tommaso Ciampa work here. We're go- going after the knee, re- bringing the pace down quite a bit. Of course, he's he's the heel. Um, but um, and but uh, but yeah, you know that's what. <laughs> That's what he's doing. Um, Ciampa then uh, gets uh, Black back on the outside. He drops him onto the commentary table. There's a nice uh, visual when uh, Ciampa has uh, has a water bottle after this spot, and uh, he goes after he goes back to uh, to work on Alistair Black, who meets him with a kick, but his his mouth is full of water, Alex, and the the spray happens everywhere. Water flies around, and little did we know that would kind of that would kind of uh, have an impact a little later on. What did you think about it this far? Ah, uh, you know, it's a it's a weird thing. Like, I really love uh, Champa as a character, and I like I like his heel work uh, in the ring. I like that he just you know just loves to get people to boo him. Mm-hmm. I love Alistair Black. I think he's a really talented in ring performer and a really charismatic uh, guy. And you could 
he's he's really interesting as a, as a baby face, but I know he'd be a great heel too. Like he's he's a top guy in any promotion all over the world, and it feels like I'm watching the main event of a main roster pay per view. You know, like solid, good technical work, nothing special, not really compelling. There's some good spots, um, but you know, this is. Th- Whereas when you watch Ricochet and Gargano, you're glued to the TV because you don't want to miss anything. Uh, Champa and Black felt like you could be on your phone on Twitter through most of it, like, and 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 that's what it is with most main roster pay per views. Like they don't really like it's okay. We kind of like oh here he is. He's yelling at him about how he's better than he is for two minutes straight. You know this. It felt like there's there was a lot of that kind of stuff. And I feel like they're, they're again. What is the match you're being asked to put on? I know that if they if they came to them and said, "Champa Black, we want you to have a match just like like the one the one the same kind of energy, same kind of storytelling that we saw in Ricochet versus Gargano," they could do that, no problem, and maybe even out outshine them. But they weren't asked to do that. They were asked no. to do this, and and your mileage may vary, but I prefer the kind of match. That set out like you know Gargano Ricochet rather than this because this just feels like a lot of a lot of stuff that kind of in between like it felt like they were saying okay no matter what happens you got to get to twenty five minutes like that feels like the directive sometimes of main roster pay per view main events like whatever else happens we have to have this match go at least twenty five minutes and I don't know why I don't know like what genie came out of a bottle and says, if the main event is under 25 minutes, the world will end. I don't know what's what that is, but it feels like that's kind of the way it goes sometimes. Yeah. And you were mentioned, you, you mentioned it a little earlier as well, you know, uh, when talking about the, the, you know, uh, the, the situation where you have to work a limb. Well, you know, this was the, I mean, this is textbook right here. Uh, at some point they start avoiding each other's finishers. There's a couple of roundhouse roundhouse kicks Roundhouse kicks, excuse me, that Alistair hits, uh, and which ends with a German suplex with a bridge. And Alistair is he's lifting his leg like a, like he's a dog trying to urinate because he can't put all the pressure on it. Just yeah. to make sure we understand, oh yeah. boy, his leg hurts. And then it continues. Champa, you know, gets a dragon screw uh, into a single leg crab, and all this stuff. I mean, it's credible. It works um, uh, because it. it because Tommaso does a really good job right. at making it credible. These are two absolutely impeccable professional wrestlers, and they are wrestling a match that I don't want to see. Like, does that make sense? Like, I think so. It doesn't matter how good they are at it. It's not a thing. I like. I mean, I there are there are movies that I know. Hey, these actors who are in this movie are great, and I'm sure they're giving a great performance. I'm not going to go see that movie. You know, and it felt like somebody like said, okay, you know that movie you didn't want to see with the two actors that you have a lot of respect for? Now I'm going to sit you down and make you watch that movie. And I'm like, like, like Meet the Parents, you know, the uh, sequel to Meet sure, the Fuckers. Sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? Right. <laughs> There's this nice spot, though, at some uh, where uh, Champa hits a draping DDT off of the uh, the turnbuckle onto the, ro- the apron. The roll-up directly into the perfect spot for... And you could see Alice. This is why I say impeccable freshman wrestlers. You could see Alistair Black realize his legs were draped over the middle rope 
and he knew what was coming for a full second before it hit him. That is, again, it's perfect professional wrestling in a moment, encapsulated. And yet there was so much of other stuff we had to wade through to <laughs> get there. And I wish we didn't have to wade through all that stuff to get to that kind of moment. Uh, eventually, uh, eventually, uh, um, Black hits a moonsault off the apron to Ciampa, who's on the outside. Uh, he tosses Ciampa back in, slips a bit on the water. That gives uh, Ciampa enough uh, time to uh, regain his senses and hits a fairy tale ending. But Black kicks out of that one. Ciampa gets pissed off. He goes outside and starts tearing the mat. Yep. Tears up the scenery, which is uh, the dark, dark DIY signature now, I guess. Yeah. Um, he uh, takes some time, though, and uh, he argues with the referee, and that gives Black plenty of time to hit a meteora off the apron onto the floor. Uh, back in the ring, uh, Black misses a... Uh, he or uh, no, he doesn't miss. He hits a black mass. It connected, and boy, oh boy, did it connect! Yep. He rolls over to pin Champa, but Champa just rolls onto a stomach. And again, uh, perhaps you can, uh, yeah. if I'm, if, if, if I've been following what you're saying, Alex, right, right. another moment where right. perfect professional wrestling has been encapsulated, right? Right. There. Exactly. This is one of the things that, like, I wish I, I don't. It's one of those things where I, you don't see this. But these are guys who are so such such brilliant professional wrestlers and performers. They're like, okay, in this situation, if I was a real person, what would I do? I would just roll over to my stomach because you can't pin me, pin me when I'm on my stomach. And I'm betting that you don't have the energy right now to roll me over onto my back. And he called his bluff. It's perfect professional wrestling by two impeccable professional wrestlers. I loved this moment. And I found myself, again, as I said, not loving the match. And I don't feel like that's, in that in that way, it's not the wrestler's fault. It's what they were asked to do in the match. Ultimately, it would take three fairy tale endings to put Aleister Black away because he can't hit one final Black Mass. Yeah. Tommaso retains. Um... I think we've uh, we've covered the match uh, pretty much and how we felt about it. It wasn't a bad match, Alex, and we were talking about this just before we got on air, wait, waiting for Mr. Sapp. But, you know, TakeOver comes with a certain level of expectation. Yeah. I've, I've even talked about this when up into the uh, – when, when I was talking about Blackpool, to, to NXT TakeOver Blackpool, one of the biggest disservices, I think, that uh, the first NXT UK event had uh, was to – carry the mantra or no not the mantra the mantle of uh of takeover because it comes with such lofty expectations this was not a bad main event by any chance by any stretch of the imagination but like you said it it does it didn't feel specifically nxt it felt more like something you'd see uh on a a main roster pay-per-view right um and again, because so many of the guys who they have on main on the main roster are really, really great professional wrestlers, they'll find ways of doing those perfect professional wrestling moments in a match. And then, but it'll be like again a total of twelve seconds out of a twenty-five minute match that you know that you could again you could boil down to it to a gif of mm-hmm. the great moments in this giant match. So it felt like that to me. Um, uh, but. I will say that the end of the pay-per-view, uh, the end of the takeover, 
signals something for the future that uh, I know that you and I are, are very excited about. Well, yes, because uh, Tommaso Ciampa exits the ring very slowly, heads up the ramp, and lifts Goldie uh, above his head. By the way, find yourself someone. <laughs> find yourself someone uh, who looks at you like Tommaso Ciampa looks at Goldie, yeah. folks. That's yeah. that should be a target. But anyway, he's up there. He's holding the belt aloft. And out behind him comes Johnny Gargano, who joins him in lifting his own title. Alex, I am just going to let you run with this because I think we're just going to mirror each other at this point. Yeah, um, this is this is great. There's uh, there's so many things they can do with this. Now, this is one of those things where um, I mean, I uh, one of the first things that I wrote about for Fightful when I started, I was one of the first writers on the website. I don't write anymore; I don't have time. But when I when I was writing. I wrote. I covered the cruiserweight classic, and in that, in the cruiserweight classic, uh, Tommaso Ciampa versus Johnny Gargano was a first round match, and Tommaso nearly killed his his partner. He was going to like Gargano was obviously concussed, had no idea where he was, and he was going. He pulled down the the knee pad. He was going to hit him with the, with the exposed knee and basically kill him in order to to win the match. Tommaso hesitated, hesitated, pulled up his knee pad. Gargano going with a roll up. And that was that moment there was like the seeds were planted. That was in June of 2016. Now, eventually the turn happened. Tommaso had to go away with a knee injury, came back. They had this whole thing. Then it seemed like they were split up from each other. After fighting each other, Johnny on the side of good and, and uh, light versus dark, good versus evil. Uh, and then Johnny started to realize that maybe evil was the better path, the easier path. The path that would get him to what he wanted, which was singles gold, and he he made that choice tonight. And to to see him back with with Tommaso, I loved everything that's been going on in the episodic uh, NXT with, with 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 Tommaso pulling the strings and mm-hmm. goading Johnny into it. I think it's great. Everything that's led up to this point. Um, the the main roster never does stories that last two two and a half, almost three years. They just won't attempt them. And if they do, they're awful. <laughs> NXT did it, and it's they, they, they would do, they've had a few missteps along the way, but it's been perfect pretty much. And now there's a whole new chapter. It's like we just watched basically, uh, uh, New Hope and Empire, and now we have Return of the Jedi. Although I, I hope there are no Ewoks, but <laughs> but 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 we have a whole other chapter now where we can see whether or not Johnny fights back against the forces of darkness, how long it takes him to do that, all that kind of stuff. Can he can he find the good in Tommaso and bring him back to the forces of light? Like, there's so many things. They never attempt stuff like this. WWE used to do this really well all the time, of finding ways of, like, breaking guys up, bringing them back together, have one guy bring... Like, they they they, they try to do it every now and then. They try to do something with, with Dean and Seth, and it failed miserably. Like, figuring out ways of making this whole work. I have faith in NXT to do this leading up into Mania and beyond where I would not on the main roster, but the world is their oyster for dark DIY. Oh, for sure. For sure. And it, it will be interesting where to see where this, this next chapter leads because, you know, we saw it again tonight. You know, we, like you mentioned, you know, Johnny is still obviously very conflicted. Yeah. He's not entirely on board with this. I think, you know, whereas Ch- Champa is, uh, well, he, you know, he's, um, he's the emperor, you know, yeah. he's, he's embraced it. He's like, no, fuck y'all. I, yeah. I, I'm in control now. So, 
Um, it'll be interesting to see. It'll be very, very, very interesting to see how this develops. Because, yeah, I am all for dark DIY. Talked about it a little earlier. Just before we sign off, we were talking about who's going to, uh, if we're expecting any uh, big surprises at the Royal Rumble tomorrow. You know, I feel like Velveteen Dream is a shoe-in to sure. to pop up in the Rumble tomorrow. Yes, he's part of the uh, the, the, the World's Collide tournament. But, man, they, they didn't fly Velvet, Velveteen Dream in no. just for this... Unless this unless, B show, you know what unless, I mean. Unless the plan is to give him um, a, a title victory, uh, a, a, sorry, a, a tournament victory, which gives him a title match in the future. If that's the if that's the plan of of getting him to that point, I think it's going to be Adam Cole that gets the title match. Um, but that's just me. Anyway, um, I will say uh, that I think Velveteen Dream is is a shoe in for the Rumble, but not for a call up. Mercifully. Because I don't think they would have any clue what to do with that guy. I I think Ricochet is in the Rumble and maybe stays up. Um, uh, one guy we didn't mention that might be in the Rumble and might have a program coming out of it, depending on what they do with it, is Batista. If they're going to do Batista versus Triple H, there's no better way to start it than with um, than, than at the Rumble in some way. Gosh, you just you just reminded me of of that episode of SmackDown. Yeah. Yeah, they, they they were really yeah. hit, they were hitting that one hard uh, on that episode of SmackDown, the one thousand episode of SmackDown. I think they're probably going to try and figure out a way to do, even though Trips is re- recovering from the torn pectoral muscle uh, still, and who knows what, what they'll do. Maybe he can only go twenty two minutes instead of twenty eight in that in that uh, in, his, in his in his match at Mania. But in Triple it's Triple H, we'll figure out a way to do it. Um, I, I do want to say this: we, we I think something we, that we've kind of forgotten about with the story of Gargano and Ciampa. Is the the it was all set for them to have a match, the two of them and Alistair in a triple threat. And then Alistair got real life hurt, and they had to write around it by making Johnny Gargano the guy who took him out. If they didn't have to do that, like I really I would I would pay so much money to find the story notes for where it was gonna go, who was gonna win that triple threat, where it was gonna go after that. Cause yeah. I don't know if their plan was to turn Johnny Dark all along. But if 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 it, if it came out of like Alistair tweaks his his groin, he can't go in the triple threat. He's going to be out for a while. We got to figure out something to do instead. And somebody in the writers' room says, "What if we do like a Palpatine and and Anakin thing? Like, what if we do that?" And uh, and and whoever that guy is, I hope he got a raise. <laughs> I hope so. NXT Takeover Phoenix, folks. It was a it was a, 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 a an evening with ups and downs. It wasn't a bad show. I think you know it, it just uh, it, it carried the NXT name, the the, the NXT Takeover brand, and um, our expectations are always very very high. Perhaps it didn't deliver on the heights of uh, of others. This but- is this is what's so amazing about Takeover. It might be the worst takeover I can recall overall, but it might have one of the top 10 wrestling matches I've ever seen as part of the card. That's impossible. That's how good the rest of the takeovers have been. If a couple of matches here and there on the, on this card that didn't live up to expectations are enough to diminish the thing as a whole when the height of it is astronomical like it just it just speaks to what how how consistently brilliant the nxt brand has been 
We are a far cry from Backlash 2018. That yeah. is for <laughs> damn sure. I want to th- thank everyone for joining us. We're going to wrap this one up. Alex, why don't you, uh, what you got going on, tell the good people where they can find more of Palowski Man. Yes, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Palowski the Fourth. I do want to give a shout out to somebody who will never see this until they're much older. Uh, my my daughter is two today, and wow. uh, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm wearing my first time dad wish me luck T-shirt that I wore uh, last uh, two years ago, right after she was born, when I had to like cover the Rumble because Sean was at the Rumble, so I had to run the whole podcast when my daughter was like two days old. So I don't. I still don't think my wife has forgiven me for that. I just want to say <laughs> to thank you to Fightful for uh, for for that. So, well, that's fantastic. That, what an what a nice feel good story to wrap yes. this up. Yeah, you know, I have I have nothing to counter that. <laughs> follow us on follow us on uh, on Fightful uh, right here on the YouTube channel. If this is your first time. Think about subscribing. It's always good. You can give us a thumbs up as well. Don't forget to check out our premium service, FightfulSelect.com. There's a whole bunch of extra content there. I'm there. I do weekly 205 Live NXT, NXT UK recap shows. Sean does uh, the uh, the Fightful Report. We've got The Weekender with Steven Jensen, who covers non-WWE programming. You'll be good. Sneak peeks, previews, all sorts of great stuff. Go check it out. Thank you all very much for joining us this evening. We'll see you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.